This podcast is part of the You Haven't Heard This Productions and Publications Network. For more great shows and blogs and vlogs, please visit www.yhhtmpc.com. Carl Van Loon, who basically is uh, the guy who takes Eddie uh, under his wing. He's an investment banker, and uh, he recognizes Eddie's talent in the beginning of the movie and uses Eddie basically the same way Eddie uses him in order to gain whatever he wants. And that's played by Robert De Niro, um, which was a coup to get him. And, uh, and it wound up being um, probably the, the biggest asset of the film. Because there's something about when, 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 uh, when De Niro showed up on set, everything kind of changed. And everything got quiet and uh, very efficient, which was fantastic. He takes it, and it certainly solves the writing dilemma because he's able to write his manuscript very fast. Uh, but then it's a question of what else is he going to do with all this um, energy and, and, and uh, availability he has for his, the use of his brain. And he goes to, which is logical, uh, ga- gaining things that he doesn't have, which is power based on financial gain. And uh, what happens with that uh, is uh, pretty monstrous. And, f- and fantastic, you know, he, he flies high for a while and then it's gonna catch up to him. And also what happens to, I mean, is this drug that clean that there's no side effects? Uh, and he, he gradually learned that uh, there's a lot more than what he bargained for. The voice you just heard was that of Bradley Cooper, star of the 2011 hit movie Limitless, which is the on-screen counterpart to the book of the same name written by Alan Glynn, which is what we will be talking about today. So sit back, grab a cup of tea and a Bourbon biscuit and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Adapted to Screen podcast, a podcast where we take a fairly well-known book and we compare it with its on-screen counterpart. We dissect it and work out which one was the best and all that good stuff. And each week I have joining me, my co-host, my co-pal, Phil McCracken on your thing. How many have we done? Sorry, no... On on the on his screen, I, when I when I uh, send the invite, I have to send his name, and it's, I put Phil McCracken rather than Phil McCulloch, and um, yeah, so yeah, Phil McCulloch is is joining me. Hello, Hello Richie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How, how's your good self? Uh, yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much for asking. Excellent, good, good, good. Also joining us um, all the way from somewhere local, by the sound of his voice, we have comedian, and do you do anything else? John Pearson. That's that's basically it. Just comedian. Let's just go with comedian, comedian and and podcaster. Let's go with that. Are you a podcaster as well? I have done podcasting before. Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah, welcome to the show, John. Lovely Hi. to have you. It's lovely, lovely to be along here with you, Richie and Phil McCracken. I'm enjoying that um, with with these people. Yeah, this has gone this has gone swimmingly so far, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been perfect. Yeah. So, John, uh, John, Richard mentioned you're a, a stand-up comedian. Uh, yeah. You, uh, you, ter- you turned pro a few years ago, if I remember correctly. Um, am I right there? Correct, yeah, yeah. So it's been three, four, four years now, if you include the COVID years. Oh, yes, because I saw you doing a lot of Zoom stuff during the pandemic. I didn't donate any money. 
No, of course you didn't. No, 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 no neither did anybody else. That's that's why that's why I'm now back out and working for basically free all across the country. Um, well, don't, no, don't say that because people will actually think you work for free, John. This normally goes out, I think, towards the end of this week. Uh, so, if you've got any dates of where you're going to be next week, let us know now. Okay, uh, that's nicely sprung on me. I'll look through my diary now. I'll let That's you know. Oh, where oh, oh, sorry. My work has been sprung upon me. Like you don't... Well, know. no, as in you sprung upon... When I wanted me to announce that. Uh, yeah, so I am in... Uh, I'm in Enderby on the 21st of March. Uh, I am in Melton Mowbray on the 24th of March. I am in London on the 25th of March. And I am in Sunderland on the 27th of March. On the 26th of March. So I'm all over. I'm everywhere, basically, is what I'm saying. And where can we get the information of where you were going to be? Uh, you can go to johnpearson.co.uk. That is J-O-N-P-E-A-R-S-O-N.co.uk, and everything is up on there. Right, and so uh, the book we're the book we're looking at today is The Dark Fields by Alan Glynn. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I did not know that. Yeah, that's what? yeah. It's called The Dark Fields. Yeah, I might have been able to get something from Alan Glynn off YouTube after all. Then I thought it was a different book. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> the level of. The level of research you've done here, Richard. See, when I said in the intro, um, limit, uh, the yeah, film yeah, Limitless and the book by the same name, apparently it's not the same name, but when I bought no, the book, I got the book and it was called Limitless. The book is yeah, named Limitless. Yeah, yeah. The, newer, the, newer, the newer editions are called Limitless, but it was called yeah, The Dark Field. Did not know that. Who's, um, whose podcast is this? <laughs> Yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's up for sale. 12 quid. <laughs> <laughs> fuck me alright you were saying Phil carry on okay so the book we're going to be talking about today is The Dark Fields by Alan Glynn which was adapted to screen and turned into Limitless now shall we go into the author's bump has Richie got anything on the author or does he think it's written by some fucker else at this point I've actually got some yeah. um, a message from the author himself oh yeah well I I do I yeah do so all fuck the you John <laughs> 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 I've never even met Richie he's already telling me to fuck off this is brilliant he's my mate I know right I know. so yes uh, Richie Richie was good enough to actually have a conversation with uh, Alan Glynn not long ago the actual bump is very little about Alan Glynn Alan Glynn is an Irish writer born in Dublin in 1960 uh, his novels include The Dark Fields 2001 which was republished as Limitless in 2011 he also has a series of books Winterland Borderland and Graveland as well as Paradigm and Under the Night which was released in 2019 Richie did have a conversation with Alan Glynn uh, unfortunately Alan couldn't make it on the show well it's not that he couldn't he wouldn't yeah well he did oh, well, yeah but that, that's a bit hard you, what you've just said is harsher anyway what I'm saying is nicer so Alan said thanks again maybe if you want to throw this into the mix it might be of some help I loved the movie Limitless and I loved that it remained so popular even after 10 years. I had a great experience during the making of it, despite the frustrations of nearly 10 years it actually took to get made. And the movie's success has certainly helped me in terms of the book sales. The movie has an energy that fits the subject matter and I think Bradley Cooper contributed hugely to that. It was early in his career and he was just very exciting to watch. 
If there's an elephant in the room here, it's at the ending of the movie, the end and the ending of the novel could hardly be more diametrically opposed. But that's fine. It's my book, their movie. The ending of the novel was never going to fly in, Holly, in a Hollywood movie. My ending is sort of a cautionary tale ending, whereas the movie's ending is gleefully unconcerned with this. I don't think the filmmakers had this in mind at the time. They were just looking for an upbeat way to end it. But the movie sort of promotes the idea of transhumanism might be fun and not sinister. Also, I'm Irish and maybe more fatalistic, whereas they're American and maybe more prone to the seduction of self-reinventation. I don't know. People who see the movie first, then read the book, of which of course is most people, are often disappointed or appalled by the ending of the book. Again, this is fine. There's no reason why an adaptation has to be slavishly faithful to the original. I love it that I still get regular, though small, royalty checks, which means people are still reading the novel. And I love it when I'm scrolling through Netflix or whatever and I see the movie pop up. Cheers and all the best, Alan. Brilliant. And that's our first conversation with um, an author, really, isn't it, so far? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, other, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have tried to get uh, other authors on, uh, on, but that was very nice of him to take the time and write such a long response to you. Go, could you come on me podcast, please, mate? That is not how I put it. <laughs> you cunt. Um. <laughs> is that how you put it? Will you come on my yeah. podcast, you cunt. Yeah, maybe that's why he didn't come on. <laughs> No, but, uh, but I think I think I mean um, just like reading that. I think like the difference between, for instance, you know, when we did Watchmen and uh, Alan Moore wanted his wanted his name taken off the credits of the film, even though the graphic novel and the film were exactly the same, word for word and panel for panel, and he hated it. Whereas, obviously, I think Alan Glynn's kind of got his head screwed on a bit, and he's like, "Well, I knew they were going to change it, and I like it, and it doesn't really bother me that much." Yeah, and then, to be fair, although it's, it's only the ending really that is different. No, there's quite there's there's a few bits and pieces in it that are different, like isn't there? the girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no girlfriend at the start at all. Like in the film, he's got who is it? Is it not? Is it is it Charlie Theron? No, it's Abby Cornish. Abby Cornish. That's it. It's Abby Cornish. Yeah, Abby Cornish uh, is his girlfriend, and that, and that she's not mentioned at all in the book. All right then, mm. fuck me then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the cast, do you want to give a mention of the cast, Phil? Because that's what we're going to do next. Oh yes, it? okay. So the uh, the cast of the film Limitless, which was released in two thousand and eleven, uh, stars Bradley Cooper, Abby Cornish, Robert De Niro, Anna Friel. I'm sure there's someone who I'm uh, missing who's definitely important in that as well. But um, those are the main characters. When I was young, remember the K's catalogue? Yes. And Frail did um, a model thing for the K's catalogue. And oh, mate, the amount of times I beat my meat over when I was 14. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, God, it's this, it's this <laughs> the, podcast. I've even tried to find the same pictures since on the internet. I can't fucking find them anywhere. Normally, this is like a really relaxed, quite calm, podcast where Richard really behaves himself but but the thought of Anna Friel in the case catalogue page 9 summer edition and he's now wanting to beat his meat up over it yeah <laughs> mm, good times so okay so um Richard now this is where I normally ask Richie uh, when he first became aware of the film and the book and this is normally when he says about a week before we did the podcast so Richie when did you first become aware of the film and the book Limitless 
I was aware of the film for quite some time. However, I got it confused with uh, another film where somebody was really clever with... Uh, Lucy. Um, yeah, Lucy. Completely different fucking films. The book, I, I had no idea there, there was a book. I, I don't really care about books, so I don't look... You know, I don't want to... <laughs> Uh, so, when I watch a film, I don't immediately think, fuck me, I need to go and find the book. It's not something that happens, but um, so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't aware. So probably when you told me about it is when I, I realised. Okay, good. John, when, when did you first come across uh, the film or the book? Uh, so I came across the film first, and I think it was kind of probably around about 2011 i'm sure i watched it at the cinema i'm sure i did but now i've watched it so many times i think it's just an amazing film um and it wasn't until i'd watched it two maybe three times i realized it was based on a book uh so that's when i went and got the book and then read the book so i yeah probably about four years after the okay so this is your second reading as well yes my second reading of the book yeah and anything um say well for me i saw it being out you know when you see it on like the sides of buses and stuff and i was like oh that looks quite interesting and then i was in a wh smith and they had the book that the the version of the book that they re-released that was was like the cover limitless that you see yeah, but it was like literally what you saw on the bus. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it had Bradley Cooper on it, and it was yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm not going to go and see the film just just because I'm not. But I'll read the book, and then I read it, and then obviously when it came on the telly, I watched Limitless. But um, I thought, like you, John, I thought it was a good film. But you know what? When I watched it again for this podcast, I was really disappointed. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't know why, because I've seen the film maybe, I don't know, three or four times before, and I've always enjoyed it, even though I've read the book first, if you know what I mean. But this time, yeah, I, was yeah. watching, I was like... I was like, there's something really weird about this, and I don't know what it is. I, I, I couldn't enjoy it. Has it not aged well? Is it? I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just, it, it never seemed, we'll, we could talk about that in a bit, uh, but it, it just never seemed like to do anything. Right. Uh, so let's move into the book then. So the book opens up with Eddie. Eddie, what was his? Spinala. Eddie Spinala uh, is in a hotel room, and he's narrating i suppose he's the narrator he's letting us know basically his life's fucked and it's happened over the course of 30 30 days or so and then kind of talks us into his journey into zmt is it zmt or is that in the tv it changes show? in the from the book to the film doesn't it it's mdt in the book and it's uh, zmt in the yeah, film I've, yeah i have to admit i've left my notes in the hallway and i can't be bothered to go and get them yeah mdt um, in the yeah. book and mzt, MZT in the film MZT in the film. There we go. Uh, so, I mean, so obviously the glaring difference already is that in the movie, this starts with him in his apartment rather than hiding out in a, um, in a thing you're waiting, basically waiting to die, isn't he? In the, in the hotel room, he's suffering yeah. with his headaches and so on and so forth. And either the copper's going to come and get him or he's going to be dead. Uh, sooner or later anyway and that kind of opens up the same way uh, in the film with the most point oh Andrew Howard I missed out the cast the most pointless person in the book and the film Who? which which one's that who's he, who's he play uh, Gennady oh right yeah 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 oh yeah I almost feel like he was supposed to be there as like a real like oh god the gangsters are going to be after him and it just doesn't really happen does it no not a, well, well there's lo- right okay so, well might as well address it right now as soon as you talk about it. first of all Andrew Howard is a, a Welsh man um, who is famous for playing Russian and he plays them convincingly and every, every, everything he's in is a mean Russian person I'm surprised he's not in John Wick but but Gennady as a character is absolutely pointless he's pointless in the book and he's pointless in the film in the film he's used in it just so that Eddie can get some money whereas 
quite easily what they could have done was said oh i need some money to like some big money so i can start betting more on the stock market and what i'll do um like literally the book just fast forwards a week and he says in the last seven days i've made eighty nine thousand dollars yeah that's it you don't need you don't need him this is something that I struggle with as well because he, when he the, the the moment he starts trading on his first the first few days he makes a fair few grand he, I mean, in the first few days so in the first few days he's made a fair few grand now if you've got a fair few grand you can probably double that and triple it and keep doubling it and doubling it and doubling it but no he says actually I better go and find a Russian loan shark. This bloke's meant to be really clever. That that makes no fucking sense. That would be the last thing he would do. Yeah, one hundred percent. And like, I can, I could under, and this is what I'm saying. I could understand it if it was pivotal to the book, but it's, but it's not. I mean, when he when he first makes the money, you're like, God, why, 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 why doesn't he just pay this Gennady Geyser off and get him out of his life? And then obviously, when the pills, you know, when he takes the pills and it all starts to go a bit pear shaped, but in the book. It doesn't make a difference. Like, it's not mentioned with the ending of the book, and let's not spoil it right now, but Gennady has no influence in the film, in, in the book. There's no influence whatsoever. He's not needed. It's, if well, he wasn't... Is he not? He kind of... It's still like a bit of a... Because you've got that bit where he basically steals one of the pills from the desk, doesn't he, and finds out how good they are. Hmm. But then he starts to put a bit of pressure on. But it's not... You are right. It's not the same sort of pressure that you'd normally get from a gangster in a film like this. There'd normally be much more peril involved. There's no peril involved in it. He just keeps coming around every Friday, collecting some money, yeah. getting more pills. That's all it is. Which we all know he wouldn't be doing at the moment anyway because they're more sanctioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Uh, also, but the thing is, though, there's no, like, for instance, like if you wanted some danger or if you wanted a little bit of jeopardy, he's got the blackouts. You don't need Gennady. Like, yeah, look, Gennady yeah. isn't influential. In the book, he's not influential in what happens. He's just no. a bloke who he has to give five pills to. That's it. The film In the film, there's a lot more sinister like people working in the background in this than there is in the book, I felt. In the book, I feel you don't know until that phone call that there's other people. Yes, and I, I refer to him as the lurk yeah. because, because in the book, there's no lurk. In the movie, ten minutes in, the lurk yeah so 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 you've got your blackouts you've got your lurk you don't need Gennady you really really don't except for what they actually do they they make good use of him in the film yeah in the film he's much better in the film he's like a juxtaposition to uh, well it's kind of a way of showing Eddie what is happening to Eddie by seeing what's happening to Gennady as well <laughs> yes Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, but Gennady doesn't have a bag of 500 pills. So it's, so it's easier for him because he knows he's got the supply. But you can see him moving up the ranks. And that, that's yeah, what yeah. you see. You see it from a different point of view. But he sees the desperation in Gennady, which he doesn't see in himself because he's got the... Um, until he hasn't. Got, until he hasn't, but it's too late then. Yeah. Yeah, but all, and, and also I, I did like... I mean, we're, we're literally talking about the end of the film, really, aren't we? But <laughs> I did like... Uh, I did like when Gennady goes, oh, you know, you don't know what you're doing. I'll just liquidise it and straight into the bloodstream. Lovely jubbly. Yeah, when he's licking the blood. Fucking hell, what oh. the fuck? So I was yeah. watching this with the missus, because uh, the missus normally watches the films that, 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 that we uh, review. And within seven minutes, she went, why hasn't he, wasn't, wasn't he just make a load? If he's that smart, he can just figure out the composition of the t- pills and just recreate them himself. And I was like, oh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, about that then because then there wouldn't be a film well yes but surely but but the thing is though 
he doesn't think about like in, especially in the book in the book he's trying to find the people who are made who, who have made it but you're like hang on like you, you, you've just learned 14 languages wrote 29 books <laughs> made a million pound on the stock market and have not thought oh i could probably figure out how these are made yeah that's true just it's it's one of those isn't it i mean obviously that is addressed in the film uh thankfully because someone in a writing room went why doesn't he just make some himself so obviously he meets he, he meets the uh the ex-brother-in-law has got takes the pill discovers what the pill can do and this is pretty much the same with the with the movie in the book he goes there um obviously there's a bit of a difference when he goes back to the when he goes back to the hotel and he finds his ex-brother-in-law dead in the book someone is in the room i think yeah or no He's someone in the room in the book. No, he, he hears someone leave, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he hears someone leave and then he starts shouting at them in the film. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, obviously, there's a bit of a difference uh, in the book where like, he runs up to the... He, he runs up or outside and hides the stuff where he just hides yeah. the stuff on him in the movie. Makes more sense just to hide it on you, really. There's a whole bit There's a whole bit in the book that just seemed to... It just took ages. This is one thing I did feel about the book. Some of the bits just took forever for to explain it. Do you know, I know that's a thing with books and films. But I felt yeah. like this one, it was like, it was like he ran up the stairs. He ran up, like, it explains every step that he runs up to then get upstairs, <laughs> yeah. to then drop the bag, to then run back downstairs every step that he's ran down. And then it was just, all, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a trick that, that writers do that when people who are looking to make a film pick a book and they can picture it in their head and they see it cinematically and go, we can do that. Except for, yeah. in this case, they didn't because they went, that shit, we'll just yeah. have him put him down his pants. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Let's have some of that, shall we? Yeah. Um, but obviously, he finds the stuff. And as, as we talked about, he goes um, he goes a bit stock market crazy. Uh, in the in the movie, he writes, he writes a science fiction book rather than uh, a book about washing machines or whatever it was. What was it? It was all vintage cars or vintage yeah. travel or travel from the 1800s to now yeah it's history it was definitely history based wasn't it it's was a history book but that's yeah. but, and i suppose this is the best this is the best time to ask both of you richie if you had the zmt what would you be doing with it fucking hell you should have asked me this before give me okay come back to that one because that's, that's a good know, question like, like, yeah, you haven't once thought what would i do although although i've got the zmt and it makes me really clever i know me being me i would still fuck shit up really bad <laughs> I'll come back to you, Richie. You have a thing. John, being the creative type that you are, what would you <laughs> yeah. be doing with the ZMT? Uh, well, you'd probably, yeah, well, I'd probably be doing a very similar thing to what Eddie did, but I'll just be writing and probably creating as much content as possible. I mean, in that, if it was nowadays, you'd just be, you'd just have a YouTube channel, wouldn't you? And you'd, all of a sudden, you'd have a, a 30 million people watching it somehow because you've worked out the algorithms and worked out how to do stuff. I think you just, you just, yeah, as a creative, I think I don't, I wouldn't go down the stock market route. Yes, that, that, what, what you, he just said, that's what I do. And women, I would do women, lots and lots and lots <laughs> of women. <laughs> Fucking up! So Jesus just Christ. wasted on Richard. Yeah. CMT's just wasted on Richard. It's not wasted it's at all. It's completely wasted. You might as well just have a wank. Yeah. No, you'd say you say what happened to Richard? Well, he's got he's got whoever the fuck he wants. That's what's happened to Richard. He can have whoever the fuck he wants. He's got one life, and he's making the most of it. No, I think um, I think well, I mean, me personally, I think uh, uh, I was with you there a little bit, John. I think if um, like when Eddie had written that book, 
and his publisher was like, this is absolutely amazing. I would have just written another 20, like movie scripts, books. Yeah, just you just go all out for it, wouldn't you? Everything. If you're that smart, because, I mean, you can say the stock market, the stock market, but if you've got something in books and film and all that kind of stuff, then you're made for life, aren't you? And if it's that good, then I haven't got an issue, have you? Really? Yeah. So, so yeah, so uh, in the uh, in the book and in the movie, he decides to meet Gennady, the the terrible Russian loan shark, who tells him in no uncertain terms, "I'm giving you a hundred thousand dollars. I want twenty five grand a week for five weeks. And if you don't pay me, I'm going to murder you." So, with this hundred grand, and I don't know exactly how he gets it deposited into a bank without flags being raised. I wasn't sure about that because, like, all of a sudden, he's on a trading floor and he's just trading away like a good one yeah exactly yeah it all it all it, all, it goes from naught to 100 quite quickly doesn't it he, he sort of he meets one guy that says oh you should try a bit of trading in your bedroom and then he does that oh, that's for a right. bit he interviews someone doesn't he that's right and then he goes and does it and he does it for a bit and then he goes oh actually i've just made like two grand or something like oh he watches him doesn't he for a bit he watches the other guy and goes he just made three grand in like 45 minutes yeah. or something and then he just realizes that he can when he's on the when he's on the pill, he can sort of when he's on the pill. That sounds horrific. But when he's uh, when, he, when he's taken the ZMT, he can just do what he wants. And then he just comes back the next day and goes, "Oh, actually, I, last yesterday I made this amount." And the guy's really shocked at him. Now that would make me that guy. I, if I was that guy, I'd be like, "Well, how the fuck have you done that?" Yeah, show me what you did. Yeah, show me yeah. how you did it sure. because no yeah. one's ever done that before. Not only that, what you said uh, just before as well, I'm, I'm, I'm never really, I never really considered it. If I can just imagine walking into Barclays tomorrow with 80 grand and going, uh, can I just deposit this please, if that's a, you know, if you don't mind. And the bank manager going, yeah, no, not a problem at all. I'll just put that in for you and we'll say our goodbyes. Wouldn't happen, would it? Would not happen. <laughs> well, it depends on what Barclays you're going into, I suppose. I mean, if you go into a Barclays, I think you probably could drop that amount of money in. Oh, if you're right, a business, yeah. he wasn't. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. he? No, well, no. But I mean, let's say in America, if you deposit over ten thousand dollars, they have to report you to the IRS. If you like deposit nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, they don't. So, but like, there was no men. Like, I don't know whether he goes to the trading floor with that as a deposit and he gives it to them, and then they give him credit or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But it was like, well, I've got me hundred grand from a Russian loan shark, and now I'm get, I'm now gambling on the stock market. And you're like, yeah, it's true. It was all a the- bit too. Yeah, how did you get it there? It's weird. Though. There's a lot of far-fetched things in the film and the book, and the least of which is the pill itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're picking apart the daily activities rather than the mystery drug that makes you smart. <laughs> yeah, and because I don't know if I liked Eddie at all. Like when it comes to payday, and Gennady's turned up because right, I want me twenty-five because I'll just write you a check. And you're like, are you fucking for real, mate? You're meant to be smart. You think a Russian fucking yeah. mobster's going to take your check? You know what I mean? And then he goes, right, I'll just find the bank. Surely the bank could be going, what do you want what that you for? 25 grand? Yeah, what do you want that yeah. for, mate? What was that mad Russian bloke outside? Yeah, he kind of says something like, uh, what, what, do, what do you mean, a check? What, what good is a check to can me? And then he kind of went, oh, I, I, I didn't think. I didn't think. I've got an IQ for four figures, but I didn't think. Whatever, mate. <laughs> also, 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 it's only 2011. I'm sure backs was a thing then. I'm sure you could you could have just logged on somewhere and done online banking. Uh, no, you see, because <laughs> yeah. no, no, you see, cause I thought about this, because uh, the book was written in, uh, well, it was probably written about oh, what, 80s, 99, isn't it? 2000. No, 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 99. Well, it was released in 2001. 
but it was probably being written 99 2000 and that's why the technology in it, like because if you if you remember in the book uh, he hasn't got a cell phone and there aren't many cell phones and there's no word of the internet he doesn't say the internet you know it's it's very like like he's getting books he's not going on to google yeah he's he's, he's, know, he's looking at newspaper articles he's going exactly, to yeah. yeah 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 you're yeah, right so yeah, yeah i never thought of that it's very low tech and in the film i think they kind of stick to that quite quite well they, they bring a they, i think he has a mobile doesn't he i think he's got a mobile yeah, no, phone yeah he does yeah there must be some internet because they do, uh, when, when when he's working uh, when he first goes to do the trading they're doing everything over the internet aren't they in the uh, the office well no this is what cuz when when he wrote the book it was like one of the first crash or not the first crashes like i think there was a crash um, like a stock market crash in America or around about that time in like the 99s and that's when he started writing that and obviously in like the 2000s he had like kind of dial up or you had like AOL and all that was just you know dot com boom wasn't it going on then so obviously yeah. there was internet but it wasn't internet it wasn't like what we've got now, now. No, it yeah, wasn't it was, 5G. You, had to, you had to dial in. No way that you had it on your phone at all times. You could you were permanently no. connected to the rest of the world. It was you got home, you logged on, you had MSN Messenger. It yes, was, and I it, think it, was, it was fairly true. Uh, and I think and I think the film kind of stayed fairly true to that, where it wasn't you know the massive tech global boom. Like, look at this. Everything's everyone's got Apple. Everyone's got this. That yeah, everyone's on a laptop. It was yeah. very. You couldn't like it, like if you watched that film in say I don't know forty years, you wouldn't go. Oh yeah, that was twenty ten. Nothing really to pick out what was going no. on. Uh, so yeah, so he's took the hundred grand from Gennady, the the most pointless character in the book, and then he he starts doing his big gambling, and everyone loves him in the trading floor. And there's a long, there's a, probably you know what two or three chapters too long. Oh, yeah. it's too long. It's so <laughs> boring. That bit, I was like, oh, God, get on with it. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about this. Whatever. I was so bored of this bit. In the film, it's nowhere near as long. No, but like, and and, and that's what I found strange. The film's an hour and 40 minutes long and nothing really happens. <laughs> and I'm like, nothing actually happened in that film. Like, I don't, and maybe it's because I've read the book and all that kind of stuff, but it was a bit strange because uh, obviously that's when he starts going out and fucking flaunting himself and giving it the fucking Richie, Richie big bollocks to everyone. Um, yeah. But that's when, that's when he starts having his blackouts. And um, I, I think, I don't know whether it was around this time in the book or the film, I think the film might have gone a bit, <clears throat> gone a bit earlier with the murder of the chick. Yeah. But um, I don't know about you guys. I don't actually think he did it. I was just about to say, did we find out who did it in the end? In the, in the film, isn't it? Isn't it someone else that set him up? I'm sure that's a thing in the film. No. So in the in the film, the lurk makes his second appearance. Yeah. And I think he has a flashback of walking down, walking down the uh, the hallway, and the lurk being there. And I'm yes. like, ah, the lurk's back. But I think what happened is, and and, it, and it's never mentioned about what happened. But if you if you remember when he comes round or the next day, he's, he's quite heavily bruised and so on and so forth. And then he finds out later later on in the day that she's dead but i think it was her husband because obviously they've gone off but they've gone to a different hotel not the one that she it's not her hotel room they've gone somewhere else um and because he's woken up battered and bruised she this woman hasn't done that to him so someone must have done it to him and he's had a fight with somebody but who would you have a fight with if you're with some bird in some random hotel room only her husband. Yeah, good point. But that was just my theory, anyway. I'd no, that's, I think that's completely true. Because if it was known that 
um, Eddie was the murderer or at any point we actually thought he could have done it. No one would actually like him or even be sympathetic. But there was lots of bits in the book that kind of like led you down, like kind of showed you away, like with that and like with... Um, there was a part in the book where, where I thought Van Loon was on ZMT, but they never went anywhere with it. There was a couple of times where um, uh, he went to see him in the office and he was like, oh, I've got to go out of town for a few days. And then when he went back, yeah, like, yeah. he looked really frail and old. And then yeah. the next time we saw him, he looked a lot better. And it was like, yeah. are they trying to say that he's on ZMT? Yeah, I thought that as well. And it's like, hang on, I've watched the film three or four times and I've read the book already and I'm still being convinced that this is yeah. the case. Because I assumed everyone was on it. I assumed everyone was on it basically by the end. Like I, I was because in the book, again, it does talk about, because he, he says he watches people, he watches the president on TV, doesn't he? And he sees the ZMT yeah. look on his mm -hmm. face. So I just assumed by that point, in the book, everyone that's ever been successful is basically on this drug. <laughs> that's basically the, where it got. The book for me made the the feelings more real. That what the, what the people are feeling like. Uh, I, I felt anxious throughout the, most of the book, and I felt I, I almost felt tired in places. And I found myself thinking, "Fucking hell, Eddie, just go and have a sleep." I, I felt myself <laughs> anxious and feeling their feelings, whereas the film yeah. didn't give me that. No, you're right. I think it was like there was, you know, we, oh, I've been at big for four days and like, I've had six blackouts and like nine nosebleeds. And you're like, why, why have you taken 47 pills? Like, how about don't have one for one day? Yeah, how about let's give it a rest? A night off's going to be fine. I think that's yeah. why I can relate to it because I've had a four day bend on four or five pills and it fucked me up. And I'm thinking, mate, I don't know how I'm feeling. Where I come from, we call that the golden rolling pin when you roll four <laughs> days into one. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good times. The other, the other thing is, you're on about um, oh, what the the uh, the high flyer. What's his name? Played by um, Van Loon. Is that his name? Van Loon. Robert yeah, yeah. Robert yeah, Carl Van Loon. I, I struggled with that. He's a high flying broker. He's been in the game for longer than Eddie's been alive. And in just two hours, three hours of meeting him. He's telling him secrets of the business that could get him into trouble about a merger that nobody knows about that's going to be the biggest in corporate history. And he tells him all of this and all the strategic stuff about it in just a couple of hours based on, and I quote, I've got a good feeling about you. In just two hours, get fucked. He's been in this business for decades and decades based on his, you know, everything he knows and where he's come from, his experience. And he's just going to give this one bloke he's never met all this information because got a good feeling. I get well, it. I understand what you're saying. I do understand what you're saying about that. But I think that's part of the, the what the story's supposed to be about is that then he... Because he does talk about that later in the, in the book, doesn't he? He does talk about how part of this thing that he gets from the pill is that all of a sudden he's got this confidence and charisma that makes people trust him and he can command a room of people much easier and he can convince and manipulate people easier so it does kind of touch on it but i know what you mean i know what you mean I think, it does feel a bit too much which does go against the fact that de niro would be on the zmt then because if he was that clever as well he'd be able to see through it yeah that's true and if he was on it and we're, and we're talking about the book i suppose more than the film if he was on it then he would also recognize those symptoms and the side effects yeah. and the behaviors and go Right, I'll have you one because I know exactly what you're up to, you little knacker. Um, <laughs> but I think, but I think we've all had, we've all like, we've all met people. I mean, John in the comedy world and myself in like the business world. Like you meet people who have, like you look at me, like fuck me, they've got like 
like an aura about them and they're confident and like they can command a room and you listen to them. You're like, even though I don't know what you've said, oh, you fucking, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Where are we going now then? What are we doing now? You know, like, what do you want me to do? Where, you know what I mean? It's like there, yeah, there yeah. are people like that in every walk of life. And I suppose if you're on that, if you're on the ZMT and it's heightening everything, then like it's quite easily to get drawn in by someone like that, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so obviously, um, so cause, because we're talking through the book, we've actually not talked about the, the, the main difference, um, because we haven't got to it, it which is the girlfriend. And, uh, his girlfriend who's in, who breaks up with him more or less at the start of the film. Cause he's a massive bell end loser. Yeah. He's just a loser that's got no money and he's just, well, his life's fallen apart since, since he split up with Anna Friel, basically, hasn't it? More or less. Yeah. But he's obviously managed because he's a decent looking chap to pull Abby Cornish. Yeah. Well, yeah. In normal Hollywood style, you know, this loser has got an absolute banging girlfriend somehow. yeah um but obviously uh i can't remember why he has oh like has he been out on a massive like six day and then he's on a massive come down and ends up at her office yes because he can't go home yeah because he can't make yeah because he can't make it home can he in the film yeah he goes to her office and goes oh go and get me swag it's it your gaff because this is this is another thing as well that i thought this geezer right is smart yeah super duper clever Right, in the book, he keeps all of his pills in the same bag under a towel. Well, fuck me. Like, if someone broke into your gaff, they're not going to fucking pick that up and look underneath it, are they? Like, there's no safe. Well, in the book, no he's, fucking... keeping them, he's keeping them in a bit of Tupperware on yeah. top of the telly, yeah. the twat. No. He's, no, said, oh, well, no. no, no, no. From no. the book, no. I think I could, I took it, he's got, basically, he's got like a, he's got like a, when you go to an Indian restaurant, you've got the uh, mint imperials on the side. Well, exactly. He's got just a bowl, yeah, hasn't yeah. he? He's got a bowl yeah, on, his, on his, by his computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how Gnar yeah, yeah, that's how Gennard ends up with them. But the rest of them are kept under a towel in his cupboard. And you're like, if it was me, right, and ju- you know, just being me, I would have got and got a safety deposit box and say maybe I'd like 300 in there. I would have gone and got a new pair of shoes with my old shoes, cut out the heel, right, hollowed out the heel and shoved another 50 in there, glued the heel back up. Richie, know, how a, far are you, Richie, how far are you from Phil's house? Can you go around and look at all of his shoes, please? Because I think he's got drugs hidden all over his house right now. <laughs> <laughs> you go and get like, um, like go and buy like a new remote control, right? You take the remote, you, you, take, you take the back off, you hollow out You've the thought inside. about this too much. Well, no, it's just like, you know, knowing where to hide shit, isn't it? Like, yeah. but, but what I'm, but like, what I'm saying is, like, if you've got something that's vital, like you've got it, and you go, "Fuck me, I can make a thousand million pound off this." It makes me feel like a fucking god. I'm going to keep them in my cupboard underneath the towel. Yeah, you're it's like, not right, is it? Mate. No, no, because you're not protecting yourself, then are you? No, because in the film, in the film, he keeps them all in his fucking jacket at all times. Yeah, he's got. Because he, he, well, that's what, but that's what Gennady does, isn't it? Doesn't he do that? He, it's kind of. I felt that was in the film and the book. They kind of switch places because they have the suit. The suit specifically yeah. made for him mm. in the film, isn't it? Gennady keeps him in a little pill clip. But like, but like the difference oh, yeah. is, you, you see, the difference is with Gennady. Even though these Russians are like moving hundreds of thousands, like like hundred thousand dollars to Gennady meant nothing. He would rather murder you. Than have a hundred grand. Not just that. You've got to remember as well. At the start, he's explained that this will be. He says this will be good for you because if you've already got it, it'll make it better. But Gennady, which I'm pretty sure is Russian for gonad, is already fucking stupid. So it's not. He's, he's only going to once he's had it. He's still going to be stupid. He's, he's not going to yeah, get rid but, of that. No, no. But but um, 
but he's business or like he's got a business mind. Yeah. If you know what I mean, because he's because he's borrowing. He's in the he's in the he's in the big organization of the of the bloody mafia, the Russian mafia. So he's you know he knows about business. I yeah. think mm. it's so like yeah. So it's not like intelligent smart. But like you know, like knowing how to make money, it would be just... like uh, it'd be like me taking it now, and then all of a sudden I would have three sitcoms on TV. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that that's that's what this pill does, and that's kind of I think what is the well, if we talk about the book and and the film in, in in that respect, it's kind of what the hook is of this entire thing. Whenever you start reading, it, you're like, oh, amazing, yeah. If I had that, I'd do this. It like makes you think about, like you said at the start, Richie. It made you realise you'd done nothing with your life. Yeah. <laughs> And thanks for bringing it back up again. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, but like the point you were making there about um, about Gennady, like he keeps them in, um, he keeps them in that little pill capsule in his pocket because he probably hasn't got anything, but or he might have a shitty apartment because you know he's not making all this money. As I said, he's lending out a hundred grand, and if you don't pay the first instalment, he'll just kill you. Yeah, so he's never going to get his underground. He's not. Yeah. yeah, he's he's not bothered about the money particularly. He's bothered about hurting people. So the reason why he keeps them in his pocket is because he can't trust anybody. He can't yeah. put them in his house because he's because he, he'd be afraid they'd be stolen. Whereas he's smarter than Eddie in that way. Because then you've also so, got because Gennady comes with. Eventually, he's got you know he's got the, this entourage that comes with him. Yeah. So there's a, there's a yeah. level of fear that where they just they don't even talk to him about what he's doing at this guy's apartment. All they know is that they go with him, they protect him downstairs. Then he comes back and he's all of a sudden got all this sort of like fucking energy that he's never had before, and he looks a lot better. And he's it, it must be weird because because he's taking one when he comes to the apartment every time. Yeah, it's like that's his fix, isn't it? Yeah, and I think if you look at the model of say the Italian mafia, like you, the more you earn, the higher up the chain you go. So you start off as like you know like the like your foot soldier like Gennady maybe he's just lending out money to people and then you, you're in their pocket and obviously when he's took that pill his like business brain's kicked in and gone right how can I turn all this money over and he's probably gone down the casino and probably earned a load of dough or probably like because he said at the end I'm doing import export so he's obviously during the week while he's away he's doing exactly what what Eddie's doing and he's just probably but he's probably making more money because he's doing illegal shit and then his bosses are going, right, you've got a crew now. There's your crew, there's your firm, there's your car. Go out and earn, carry on going out yeah. and earning. If you're not a mini, you know. Yeah, you're still earning the money. You, yeah, go out and earn more now. Here's a load of people that... Yeah, it was, it's kind of, well, that's what I was saying. In the book and everything, it kind of, you see, I kind of feel, well, I'm saying this, I'm not the author. I don't know what he was trying to write, but I do feel like he was kind of trying to write it in a way that you're seeing Eddie's rise in a um, nearly uh, legal world of how it works, and you're seeing Gennady's rise in the illegal world of how it works. That's a very good point, actually. I never really thought about it like that. I just always thought Gennady was unnecessary, but maybe that's the reason why he was necessary to illustrate that point. John, well done. Yeah, to give that point of the fact that you're seeing, you see Eddie rise through the ranks of these businesses, and then you see, but if it's in the hands of a gangster this is what happens because he all of a sudden he's got you know he's got the lovely suit he's got he looks good you, you hear him talk about how he's described and it's like all of a sudden he looks a lot better he doesn't look he doesn't look i think he's actually yeah. described as looking like a yeah. crackhead at one point mm. he doesn't look like the crackhead that he was and he's all of a sudden he's got the nice suits he's got that entourage he's got you know and he's starting to talk about he's doing an import business so he's he's like got his fingers in more pies as it goes on and on and on but those pies are illegal pies whereas 
eddies are still slightly illegal because yes, it's all a little bit on the cusp, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's all very much that sort of stuff. Uh, on that point that you made, um, at the start, when they first meet each other, the, the Russian guy, Gonad, he's obviously... Gonad. Uh, he's, he's obviously <laughs> gangster and corrupt, and um, Eddie, he's a bit more law-abiding, and he goes into... Illegal, yeah. you know, the trade in the legal system. Whereas you, you still got Gonad uh, going up the ranks in the um, illegal system. But as it gets, as they both get higher and higher, you start to realise that the higher up in the legal system is just as corrupt oh, yes, as the corrupt system itself. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I think the, like we were saying, the juxtaposition of the not it's not even a juxtaposition. It's just a just. Uh, showing you the um, similarities and the differences between the two types of people that can take this. And in the film, you get more of that as well, because in the film, you get more of... Is it... Is it well, I can't remember what his brother-in-law's called now. What's his brother-in-law called? Vince? Is it Vince? No. Vince sounds... Vince sounds about right. I would have said Vincent, but... Vincent. You know. I think it's Vincent. You get it. So, obviously, you know, Eddie was married to his his sister. And in the film, it's Anna Friel. And in the Case film, you catalog. get a lot... Yeah, the case catalogue, best Anna Friel. And in the film, you get the the bit of, you know, it's... And you get it in the book as well. But you get her... She's taken it. So her life has fallen yes. apart because of... Yes. You don't get that. I don't feel like I got that in the book as much. I didn't get... I, I, I think I put that there because I've seen it. Like the second read, I've put that there after seeing the film. I didn't get it from the, from the book to know that she it was... was it was Vernon. Vernon, that's it, Vernon, yeah. So, yeah, so, and, um, and it's Melissa. So, Melissa is obviously, she, the reason her, she left Eddie was because he was a loser and she was going somewhere. I think that's how it comes across. That's correct. And then yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, when you hear back from her, you, you hear that she's not as high up as you think he should be. And it's kind of mentioned in the book, but in the film, you see, and I think she meets him and tells him, look, I, I was on it and I've had to come off it. And that's why I now can't read more than the because she, she says things like she can't she can only just read the boston globe i think or whatever or one of the one of the papers or the new york post that's i can't remember right, which one yeah. it is that's the only thing i can just about read nowadays whereas she used to be like a copywriter and all this sort of stuff she was like really high up so you know that something's happened but you don't know what well that's because she says at that point doesn't she she says what about are you getting the headaches and he's like yeah yeah and she's like ah uh, you fluffed it <laughs> yeah <laughs> How much? How many? How many have I had? Fucking loads. Yeah, load. Yeah, uh, yeah. More than anyone else. I'm taking them like minstrels. Ah, right. That that that, that was the point about Gennady. I remembered, but also that is the point. In like, it's like he's he takes one, and it's amazing, and then he, next day has another one. You know what I need to do? Take seven. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Right, you're not fucking Brian Harvey of E17. One at a time, brother. In in the book, he has to have two at one point just to keep himself level and normal. That that, that doesn't even bring you. I think the must have come come a point where it stopped being as effective as it was before, and his doses went up went up because he needed more. Because it, yeah, he was he was having two just to keep him just to stop his headaches. Yeah. Which is, which is, but, but then the point I was going to make, and again, this is another, why is Eddie so stupid when he's meant to be so clever? Right. Yeah. So he go right. So he's getting 45 million quid for this deal. Right. So he goes and gets himself a nice nine million pound pad on the Friday that he knows Gennady's coming to his flat. He's got all his stuff packed. Yeah. And Gennady why? goes, what are you doing, mate? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm moving out. 
Oh, I better tell him where I live because he, because he's got my details. You're smart, right? Get some fake details. Get some new ones. Cancel the old ones. Do whatever you need to do, you clever person. Because don't let the Russian fucking gangster know where you're fucking moving to. Don't give him your social security number. Do you know what I mean? This is what I didn't get. He had everything. I don't know whether social security is the same as like um, a national insurance number. I don't know exactly what a social security number does. I understand that he's asked for it because he's got all your information and he knows where you are and what you're doing. However... Right. First of all, don't tip him off that you're moving. Right. Second of all, he goes, oh, well, it's pointless not giving him a wrong address because he's got my social security details. You're telling me that you're not that smart, that you don't know someone who couldn't, like, even though it's early days, hack into the system and, like, delete your number and change it or something. I, th- I think you know you're making I mean? it all Just... too complicated. I think no, at the end, of... well, he's no, got all this right, money. Okay, okay. He's got all this money. All, right. all he needed to do, do was hire someone to make him dead. You know, no one's gonna. No one's going to miss him. He's probably not got a social security number of his own. How about this one? Don't announce that you're moving. That's true, but they'll probably hunt him down and find him eventually. Well, this is well, this is the thing, isn't it? During the film, and it again, not didn't come across quite so well in the book, but uh, Gonad, which we'll call him from now on, in the film starts producing like newspaper cuttings and i saw you on tv and all this sort of stuff like he starts saying these things to eddie that doesn't come across in the book as much in the film he says to him he says i know you're doing something because look and he gives him the evidence so that's what happens in the film but in the book it's kind of like he just turns up and goes where are you going and then he obviously knows that he's tried a pill because he realized that there was five was there five missing i think it's five missing from his yeah, little five missing, from his yeah. from his welcome bowl of please take my amazing pills that aren't on the market yet that he's got on, a, on his laptop <laughs> yeah um so he knows that he's taken them so he knows what he's looking for i love his tactic of trying to throw him off as well i need to throw him off I need to make him think i haven't got any i'll know what i'll do i'll make the room messy <laughs> yeah, I'll make it messier than it was. Yeah, because when he turns all that sometime, he goes, what's wrong with you, Eddie? And it's like, oh, I'm not... I, I, yeah, because it's like, isn't like pizza boxes and stuff everywhere yeah. or something or whatever it is? Yeah, it, and he just goes, well, you're obviously still on it. Um, <laughs> it, it just, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're moving. Where to? Oh, this massive, great, big 35 million pound flat that I've But got. I'm not on any pills. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, that, that just happened. It's just a happy coincidence has happened. Did you know you took that pill that made you think you could do everything in the world? No, I've not taken that. I don't take my own stash. It just so happens that I've got this happy thing that's happening to me at the same time. Just, it, it just doesn't make any sense. But then, but then the bits that were talked about in the book where we thought that maybe Carl Van Loon or someone else was on the pill. But well, weren't wasn't. they? Weren't they? No. So no. I think it's up in the air. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry, no, sorry, no. Um, there was because when he starts investigating, well, basically he's trying to find the bloke who was Vernon's partner, so he can talk to him, either get yeah. more or figure out a way to like stop him from his headaches and dying. And he goes through Vernon's book, doesn't he? Yeah. And everyone he speaks to, and he's either dead, dead or. Or struggling or with life, yeah. But then, but then he finds uh, he finds a private detective, doesn't he? And they do a bit of him. He does the investigation, and it kind of seems that there was some bloke, some cult kind of leader, who was being given the pills, and he was giving the pills to other people who were then becoming very famous and rich, and he was taking a percentage 
and then he went through he went through the stupidness of like trying to contact lawyers and, and I, I was kind of lost at that point i was like yeah what exactly what exactly is he doing i don't yeah why understand. is he doing he's contacted some guy who's in a i think he contacted a lawyer who was representing somebody else against a drug company that were making the, the pill yeah and that's his downfall but in the film that doesn't happen I, I'm, I've not I've not seen the film so I've only read, read the book recently so I've only got the book really as a made but I'm sure in the film unless I'm confusing this with mm-hmm. another film like Richie was the mm-hmm. person that they're taking the, you know the, the big uh, takeover they're doing isn't the other guy that they're taking over from is like in a coma yeah yeah so the bloke the, the bloke who's doing the merger with Van Loon because Van, because Van Loon says gears have come out of nowhere four years ago. Yeah, that's it. Ten years ago, and he yeah. owns. You know, he's got twenty nine billion dollars and this, that, the other. And when he gets, when he gets in the lineup, he has that solicitor, and the solicitor takes the drugs out of his pocket. Yeah, and that's where he loses the drugs, and he's like sitting there all wounded. And then you that's see the it. merger. Thing. Yes, that. Yeah, and then we, and, and then he sees the lawyer is the other bloke's lawyer, but. He never gives the pills to him and he dies. Yeah. And then he goes to the lurk in the hospital. Yeah. After he's killed Gennaro and drank all his blood. Yeah. He, he goes to the lurk and goes, the solicitor nicked him, but he didn't turn up here, did he? He no. kept him for himself. And then the next scene is the lurk killing the solicitor and Bradley Cooper getting the pills back out of the, out of the, uh, safe. Yes, that's it. Yeah, I remember it now. Yes, yeah, so that's all. That's all. None of that's in the book at all. No, but it could have been. It could have been because it was kind of alluding to it a little bit. Yeah. But in the uh, but say in the film, the ending is well, it's a similar end. In well, the, the book and the film kind of end similar. Like he does kill Gennady, uh in a fight. Uh, in his doesn't lick his, his blood up though. So fucked up. No, he doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't go. All, it doesn't go all Edward Cullen on it, does he? No, because he goes back to the flat. And the people have taken his drugs, they've gone in and took them, and they phone him and they go, if you wouldn't have opened your mouth to solicitors and lawyers and private detectives, we would have kept you with the pills because it was quite fun watching you. But yeah, you, you took, you, yeah it, does, it says that, it's that's in the book, isn't it? Where he's like... Yeah, yeah, you've took the piss, so we've took them off you. You, you know, we, we, were, we, were, we were enjoying the, 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 the process of watching what you could do because you've never... No one's ever taken as many as you have or taken it as far as you have so far. We've had very few human subjects and then they just put the phone down on him and they never speak to him again. Yeah, and then uh, Gennady turns up. They have a fight. Yeah. He kills Gennady, runs off with the money, the half a million quid, gives it to Melissa and then he's sitting in a hotel room waiting to Writing his suicide note, basically. Yeah, well, literally writing the book, I suppose, is what he was doing, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he was, he, he was writing that out for someone to find, and that's. I think it was a satisfying ending in a way because I was just getting annoyed with him. Really, I was just yeah. taking the piss. Yeah, I get. I, that. I, but the ending in the book for me was. I, I, I loved it. It was kind of like relief when the book finished, and he was obviously dead. He, you know, he obviously died. He didn't say he died. But it left it kind of to you. He, he, he had to well, really, didn't to, he? Weren't he? Well, he was going to. And it was kind of, to me it was all that anxiety that I've been feeling throughout the book, and all those horrible feelings because, you know, you you're trying to keep up with him, and you're feel, you know feeling what he's feeling. And then when it, when he's finally dead, you think, "Fuck me! Thank God that's over." But in the film, 
that shit just keeps on going and he's just found a way to um, handle it and I think that's and I think what uh, what Alan Glynn said to you about the Irish in him I think that's the British in us we're quite happy with misery you know like you know like good things like happy endings don't exist for us British no. you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of realism within the fantasy of the film though yeah, uh, the, the story though because yeah. in, in, in real life that is probably how it would end up being yeah, because it is a good moral tale of you know if you're in a situ if you have if you're in a situation where you find a magical pill, don't do what Eddie Spinola did, you know always look both ways before you cross the road. Uh, obviously, the ending of the film it's never going to wash really with audiences. You know, if that was the end, people would say it was shit. So you know, put a good one where he's where he's developed a way to see into the future. Oh, for fuck's sake! But yeah, you know, and he's all but, of a sudden he's become what? What is he because is, is he running for Congress? Is that what he's doing? Yeah, he's senator, senator, senator. Suppose, yeah. He became a cunt. He became a cunt for the TV series, didn't he? I've not uh, seen yes. the TV series. I've Don't bother. Have you ever yeah. seen The Mentalist? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Oh right, okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> a little bit. No, no, it's a, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing, but not as good. In fact, I, I went and watched The Mentalist again based on the first two episodes. I do I, like The Mentalist. I must say, I do, but I I enjoyed I enjoyed the TV series for what it was. But I think that's more or less kind of we've got to the end. Um, I think a question that we always ask is, John, did you prefer the book or the film? I preferred I preferred the film originally, um, mm -hmm. just because it was kind of kind of what I mean. The author that bit you had, a, you know, that he'd written to you guys about was um, very. Uh, it struck a lot of chords because I did think it was one of the first things I'd seen Bradley Cooper in, and I thought he was brilliant yeah. in it. I thought he was really good in it. It was like a such a good character. I loved the film. Then I've read the book. The book was good the first time around I read it, but then I was annoyed at the whole differences. I, I kind of do get a little bit like that sometimes. But now when I've reread it again recently, like to, to you know, research for this, I like the book. The book's really good. The book um, kind of is more realistic. I think it's less less Hollywood ending. I think that's the, yeah. the main thing about it. And I like the book for that reason. Um, the, but there is a few annoyances with the book as in... I like the Anna Friel character. She's not really used in the book as much as she is in the film and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I would say I prefer the book now, but I, when I originally watched it, I loved the film. So I've changed. If only there was a podcast that you could go on to discuss the differences between a book and a film, eh? I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A good one. <laughs> yeah, one that's listened to more than like three people. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you prick. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, hold on a second. I'm just going to go through my. Hold on, yeah, I've got my little. I've got my little uh, pot of pills here. I'm just going to take one. <laughs> um, uh, Richie, did you prefer the book or the film? I preferred the book. The film was good. Uh, it cemented Bradley Cooper as a Hollywood actor. Um, it was okay, but the book, it was more. Although it was, what do you call it? Science fiction. It's not science. It's um. It's fiction. It is real. Um, but although it's fiction, there's a certain feeling of realism about it. And uh, I, I like the way it made me feel the way he felt, the way he, he wrote he wrote it really well. My only issue with the book was there's too many threads to pull at. But it's, it was never going to be perfect because it's a, it's a fiction book. But it's, yeah, it's, um, I do prefer the book, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I think... I think I, I think I agree with both of you on uh, on uh, those fronts. There's, there's, the book is good. Uh, it's a good book. Um, 
I think it's a good book for what if, what if I, or what if then. I think I think NZT is very much a mixture of cocaine and speed. And if you've ever, you know, if you've ever been on a fucking night out and done both of those, the only thing you haven't done is made a thousand pound on the stock exchange in the like in a minute, you know. But you feel like you could. No, you feel like you could probably batter about six people <laughs> um, and probably start up a business and make a million quid. So yeah, actually, basically, NZT is cocaine and speed mixed together, but without the actual physical end product always remember phil always remember it's it's cocaine and speed mixed together with a little bit of antihistamine which is how it's suggested in the book that that's how it <laughs> yes. makes the oh, yes. <laughs> forgot about that get some pyritin in there you can do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> yeah keep keep you on the level yeah but uh, <laughs> i think yeah uh, i think i really enjoyed the film the first couple of times and the, the last time i watched it i didn't so i think i'll stick with the book there um Richie, um, I'll ask. Well, I'll ask John this question first, and he can have a think about it. John, normally yeah. what we ask is uh, to pick a, a soundtrack for the film, so either a song or an album, or you know, songs or albums that would fit well into uh, the film. Um, Ooh. Yes. So, what you have a think about that, uh, Richie? Soundtrack, soundtrack for um, the film. What ideas what? you got? Um. I I'm, it's just going to be like a um, fast-moving EDM, isn't it? It's a fast-paced okay. film, so uh, well, yeah. I've I've chosen I've chosen the greatest hits of the Prodigy. Oh, that's a good. One. Think, that would work. I think, yeah, I think I think a lot of I think a lot of their stuff would work. Like things like Poison, Smack My Bitch Up, um, Out of Space. Smack My Bitch Up's good for the uh, the nightclub scenes. Do you know what I mean? No good. Start the dance. Fire starter. Fuck them and their law. I think like obviously upbeat tempo, dance, rave, drum and bass. Uh, kind of fits a lot of different scenarios as well. I think them. I think. I think if you had the project's greatest hits on a lot of those scenes, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. What about cast? If you could change the cast, would you change the cast or would oh, you keep yes. it as this? Hmm. That's no, a good question. I think, I, mean, I think the cast is no, good. I think the cast is good. Yeah. Um. I think. I think what you've got. I, I think you've got De Niro as you know the main bloke. So you don't really need to change him Bradley Cooper's good as Eddie Spinola and I think it's good the way he seems uh, like some dishevelled tramp and then a very attractive man by the end he's, he's very um, good at doing that though isn't he Bradley Cooper's pretty yes. he's, he, he lends himself to looking at I mean look at him in um, Star is Born look at him in that he, he's, he's perfect as a drunken sort of looking like a bit of a homeless man that's also very attractive to women and then all of a sudden, he's very attracted to women. So he, I think I think you couldn't have had anyone else better than Bradley Cooper. I don't think. No, and in that role, uh, I don't. No, uh, and I don't think that maybe Abby Cornish and uh, Anna Friel didn't really get enough acting to say that someone else would have been better. Um, no, and I, and of uh, of course, if you need a Russian, you go and get Andrew Howard. So actually, they had a very very good cast of uh, people. I thought. Yeah, no definitely. changes. No changes. No. So, out of ten, how many? Out out of ten, Phil, um, the the book and the film, or do you do it um, five stars? What what we've been doing? It's ten, think, isn't it? I think tens. I like tens. I don't like fives. Fives are too yeah. ambiguous. Uh, I think the book. Um, I'd give it. I'd give it a seven. Um, it annoyed me in parts, but that's okay. Um, I think the film. I'd probably give it a seven as well. 
Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty much on the same lines as that. They both got positives and negatives, and I think the having reread the book recently, it probably ranks higher than it would have done originally. I think I probably would have put it at like a five, but I think it's more of a seven now. And the film, having not seen it recently and still living in the glory days of watching it for like you know a few years ago, it's still a seven as well. Because I just think it's. It sort of sits there in my mind now as a really good film. I don't really want to go and watch it now because of Phil. No, don't. No. Well, no, actually, it'd be quite interesting if you do because I uh, I think I was like you. I'd watched it several times and really enjoyed it. And then I watched it again after I'd read it again. I was like, oh, like, hmm. Maybe it was just me. Maybe it's because my missus wasn't enjoying it, which made me not enjoy it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That could be a thing. Because she Mm. actually said to me, uh, I said, uh, I think we was talking about something and she went, if we weren't watching this for you, I would have turned it off by now. And I think we was about 20 minutes in. And I was like, fuck me, it must be bad. Because I make her watch some real shit. Right? <laughs> and for her to go, this is shit. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I don't know, like American Ninja 12 and shit. You know what I mean? And like really <laughs> yeah. bogus films that I love to watch. And she's and she's going to this Hollywood blockbuster going, this is fucking shit. Well, if you're interested, I'd give it a seven, the book seven and a half. Okay. And for the film, I'd give it a six. I, I, I've already forgot the film, but I don't think I'll forget the book in a hurry. No, it's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. But yeah, the, all, all round, I, I, I wasn't disappointed. I, I came away feeling like I, I, I enjoyed it, unlike the book I'm currently doing with you, which uh, I've had to stop because it's boring me to literal insanity. The Tommy Knockers. It's that, that fucking awful. No. Normally, this is where we tell the audience what we're doing next, and we never know, and we just lie. But we're actually doing <laughs> the Tommy Knockers because um, I managed to read Limitless in like two days. Uh, so I was like, right, what we're going to do next? Maybe a bit of a spoiler for Tommy Knockers. Uh, when uh, we we got Sky like in the early nineties, and uh, my mom's—I uh, always say my mom's a big reader—and on Sky One, because Sky One was like the main channel, weren't it? That was it. Everything was on Sky One. It was like you get Sky. Sky One's the main channel, and they did this like thing with Stephen King said that you know they had Tommy Knockers, the Langoliers, the Stand, It, Carrie, they had everything, you know, they literally did like a Stephen King month, you know, to get people interested and stuff. And the only thing I ever remember about that film is some woman had an had a answer machine that glowed green. That's all I can remember about the film. And I was like, let's do a horror and let's do well, I think you said Tommy Knockers, didn't you? Well, yeah, because I've, I've always known of the story, and I remember the mm. film from the um, the ethnic minority corner shop that we used to get our videos from when we were younger. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for listening to Adapted to Screen. This has been The Dark Fields versus Limitless. Thank you to my co-host, Richie, and our very special guest, John Pearson. Thank you. It's been great fun. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been well, it's been lovely to speak to you, uh, Big Johnny P. Uh, do you yeah. want to um, do, do you want to just plug yourself again one more time before we leave? Uh, yeah, you can find me on all social media. It's at Johnny P underscore Comic on Twitter and Instagram, and John Pearson Comedy on Facebook. But you can also find my YouTube, all that sort of. Just Google John Pearson Comedy. I've got loads of videos up. I do loads of uh, videos like every week, so you can have a look at those. That'd be great. And don't forget to check us out everywhere. You can check us out on Spotify. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter, Facebook. We have a landing page over at www.yhhtmpc.com. So, yeah, we are practically everywhere now. 
go over to those places, give us a like, give us a subscribe. It helps us get the podcast out there. So until next time, this has been the Adapted to Screen podcast. Thanks for listening, if indeed you still are. See that guy? That's me. My excuse for looking like this? I'm a writer. Eddie, maybe it's time to let the writing go. But just in case you think nothing ever happened to me. Eddie Mora! Hey! Tell me about this book. Well, how much have you written of it? Not one word. Well, I suppose I can help you with that. You know how they say that we can only access 20% of our brain? This lets you access all of it. They've had clinical trials and it's FDA approved. I just had a curiosity and that's all. I was blind, but now I see. A tablet a day, and I was limitless. I now had cultural appetites. Since when do you speak Italian? I finished my book in four days. I'd like to renegotiate my advance. Math became useful. From 12,000 to 2.3 million in 10 days. I'm baffled by this guy. So, Eddie Mora, you do know you're a freak. What's your secret? Medication. Your powers are a gift from God or whoever the hell wrote your life script. I'll open up a line of credit for you. You'll be wanting a few toys. How many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? What's the asking price? 12.5. I'll take it. Everything I have, I want to share with you. What you doing, hon? You think somebody's watching? My brain is skipping time. I have no memory of the last four days. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Your powers are not earned. You're careless with those powers. Have you asked yourself what you're going to do when you run out? You'll die. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. There's no scenario in which you'd lead this life where you don't work for me. No scenario. I see every scenario. I see 50 scenarios. That's what it does, Carl. It puts me 50 moves ahead of you. Worth the risk? What would you do?